MP, it's our final event of the year. Oh, it's all a bit sad, Bretto, but after four big events for 2018, we are going out with a bang with one more wellness base camp, and the location for this one is regional Victoria, the great town of Bendigo awaits. Oh, and how's this for a lineup, MP? Bendigo will be rocking with the rock star of wellness, Damien Christoph. The art of self-love angel herself, Kim Morrison, hits the stage. As will the natural nutritionist, Steph Lowe. And I'll tell you what, Steph's presentation at the summit on fasting was a showstopper. You'll be there, Bretto. I'll be there too. And Wendy Stewart from Wendy's Way will be there to share her inspirational story, which really did go off at the Wellness Summit earlier this year. It's Saturday, October 27 at the beautiful All Seasons Resort Hotel in Bendigo and tickets are selling fast. Two for one tickets for this one day of inspiration, information and empowerment are available at thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's right, folks. Get your two-for-one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com before they run out and then the price goes up. Finish your year of wellness in style at The Wellness Base Camp in Bendigo, Saturday, October 27. Tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. Did you know that not all pregnancy multis are created equal? This is super frustrating for me as a naturopath working with women who just want to have healthy outcomes for themselves and Bubba. So I went on a hunt looking for a really great, the best, the best that I could find, pregnancy multi. And what I found was far, far better than my expectations. Not only did I find a fantastic multi, but I actually found a multi that changes as the requirements change throughout pregnancy. This range of preconception and pregnancy vitamins was created by a fellow naturopath named Nikki Warren and her company called NaturoBest. These are the supplements that I choose to give my clients. These are the supplements that I chose to take. These are the supplements that I think every woman in Australia and the world should have access and knowledge to. If you are trying to conceive, if you are pregnant at the moment, if you are breastfeeding, look at the NaturoBest website choose the supplement for your stage of pregnancy and buy it. If not, come and see me in clinic and we can talk about it. Nikki has also generously offered the listeners of The Naked Naturopath a coupon code to get free freight when you check out on her website. That coupon code is NAKEDFREE, N-A-K-E-D-F-R-E-E, and that'll get you some free freight. So I'm super happy to have Nikki on board as a sponsor for a couple of podcasts as well and jump onto the website to check out everything she does. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. My name is Melissa Gearing and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Welcome back to the Naked Match Pack. Today on the show, I'm super excited to bring to you some information about speech pathology and tongue ties. I have an amazing entrepreneurial woman with me in the clinic here today. She's from Let's Eat Speech Pathology, which is a, a bit of a mouthful in itself. <laughs> Valjan is a speech pathologist who is passionate about tongue ties and children. Pediatric speech pathology is what we'll um, we'll call it. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for such, having me. <laughs> such a pleasure to have you across my table and uh, we had to stop talking to start the podcast. 
too many things to talk about. Yeah, because we're chatting away here. Um, what I'd love to start with is why you decided to move into paediatrics and not just do the regular old speech path gig. I, as a new grad, um, worked in a school for kids with special needs, kids with disabilities, and I, in one of the rooms, we had little babies, and I met the most cutest little baby with Down syndrome. <laughs> But he wasn't growing oh. and he wasn't feeding really well. And with the local hospital at the time, we developed a feeding plan. Turned out he was actually, when he was drinking, things were going down into his lungs. Oh, no. So he was aspirating. Um, and that little boy changed my life. And I decided um, it was so fantastic and empowering to see how teams can work together to help babies grow that um, I stayed in feeding. He still continued to visit me for many, many years when I moved on to my other workplaces. Oh, beautiful. Came to say hello. Yeah, yeah. It's a great kid. So you had this experience that really kind of changed the way that your career was heading. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, when you say food and feeding, as a speech pathologist, how are you working with that? Yeah, it's really confusing because parents come in and with babies and say, you know, my baby's not talking. I'm not quite sure why I'm seeing speech pathologist. Yeah. So it's the same muscles. The same muscles you use to speak are the same muscles you use to feed. Mm-hmm. So the way your tongue, lip, jaw all move together and then the way you swallow um, uses kind of the same coordination pathways neurologically that you would use to speak as well. Cool. So I'll eat. And so you're getting referrals from doctors generally? Yeah. So pediatricians, uh, GPs, um, lots of word of mouth referrals, which in Newcastle is great mm. to hear that um, people think I'm doing a good job. Yeah. I hope I am, yeah. please. <laughs> Always and, nice. Yeah. 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 So a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah. Cool. Mm. And you're pretty passionate about tongue ties in particular. And so that's what we kind of wanted to um, talk about on the podcast today because I have a real interest in that and I see the worry in new mums with that kind of thing. So talk us through firstly, I guess, what is a tongue tie um, and why are people presenting to you with those problems or what are the symptoms, I guess? Yeah, of course. So under your tongue, you've got this muscle that attaches your tongue to the base of your mouth. I hate it when things touch that. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so that little, that little, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And we all have it, and it plays an important role in holding our tongue to the base of our mouth. But for some babies who are born, it's attached quite firmly. Um, it can be quite tight, and it can go all the way down to almost your tongue tip. So it can be quite restricted in its tongue range of movement. So that is a tongue tie, and they range in severity. So you can have mild tongue ties, moderate and severe tongue ties. And it's something you mentioned before we started recording that babies are born with. Definitely. Not, yeah. not developed. No, no. What God gave you is what you have. Yeah. And I guess as we were talking um, before, I mentioned that it was about, it wasn't about how much it looked. So, you know, when your baby's born and someone's saying, you know, a childhood nurse or a friend, oh, I think your baby has a tongue tie. Don't get caught up on how it looks. Get caught up on how it works. Mm-hmm. The tongue is, the mouth is an amazing part. And if your tongue can move in the ways it needs to move to breastfeed, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find that a lot of mums have trouble with breastfeeding over bottle feeding with tongue ties in particular? Is Yeah, breastfeeding is tricky. The mm-hmm. tongue needs to come forward and it needs to cup. So the sides of the tongue need to lift. Now, how far it comes, it kind of really depends. The most important thing is it moves up and down in a beautiful 
kind of peristaltic for want of a better mm-hmm. word, and then a movement that moves forwards to backwards to draw the milk, so to create a suction. That suction and drawing back movement is really important in breastfeeding. Of course, bottle feeding is easy. There's a bottle teat and the milk just drips out, so the tongue really doesn't have to do too much. Okay. So, yeah, breastfeeding, you your tongue needs to know what it's doing. But that I'm just going to jump in and yeah. say that takes time. So a lot yeah. of mums. It's really hard. It's, yeah. hard. it's hard for the mother. It's hard yeah. for the baby. The baby doesn't know what it's doing, so it has to learn that skill. So it might not actually be the tongue tie. Mm-hmm. You might have a mild tongue tie, but it might not be the tongue tie that's affecting mother's ability to breastfeed successfully and do you find often or sometimes this might sound like a silly question but i'm wondering if the breast and the nipple make a difference there yeah uh, do you find excellent it, question yeah yeah absolutely have... so if you have a flat nipple sometimes that makes it trickier mm-hmm. not the size of the breast mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're big or small it's just about positioning then so if you're a bigger lady sometimes getting the right position yeah. um can help um, but sometimes things like nipple shields can mm-hmm. help you and lactation consultants are amazing in supporting yeah. that with babies. Um, but, I, you know, we're so quick at the moment. Tongue ties are so controversial. That's yeah. why I get really passionate about yeah. it. Tongue ties, lip ties, <laughs> It's all I hear about. Ties. I, know. I know. And so I thought I've got to get Val into the podcast because she's got to talk my listeners through because that's all I'm hearing yeah. about. Yeah, it's yeah. tongue ties, tongue it's ties. It's such a big buzzword at the moment. Mm. To be really honest, if you have a severe tongue tie, then, yeah, get a lactation consultant to help. And then if you need to, get a speech pathologist to help with the baby's tongue movement. So yeah. lactation consultants and feeding speech pathologists work collaboratively really cool. nicely. Yeah, so it's not one or the other. It's often together. Um, but if you have a mild tongue tie with a little bit of strategies, your baby should be fine because there are things that could go wrong when you clip it. So it's not a matter of going, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It actually does. You're interfering with something the baby was born with. Mm. So talk me through the different types of tongue ties and then maybe that'll take us into the treatment mm. and, you know, where, where you kind of go with that. Yeah. So you mentioned before there was um, multiple kinds, yeah. I guess. So mild, moderate, severe. There's yep. level one, level two. There's different like cotlo. Different people in America have done scales on it. But I think as parents it's important not to get caught up with mm-hmm. the jargon. So basically does your baby have a tongue tie, yes or no? Does the, if is the tongue tight, so the way it looks affecting function? Mm-hmm. If your baby has a severe tongue tie, chances are it probably, imagine, you remember when I talked about the lingual frenulum, the mm-hmm. thing under your tongue, it probably, if it's a severe tongue tie, is moving all the way or almost near to the tongue tip. So tongue movement probably will be restricted. Okay. So severe tongue ties are picked up in the hospitals really Pretty quickly. Quick, yeah. And pediatricians are all over it in terms of management. Yeah. It's the ones that sit in the grey area that mm-hmm. becomes tricky. So if you have a mild, well, if you have a moderate tongue tie, again, the function over structure, how does the tongue move? If you have a mild tongue tie, I really think that a lot of those tongue ties don't need to be clipped. Yeah. I think that if the mother is having feeding problems, in my clinical experience, it's not often related to the tongue tie. Okay. I'm going to jump in and say lip ties are the other buzzword. Oh, oh and buccal that's ties. That's something I haven't heard. Oh, lip ties. Oh, well. It's like a whole other podcast. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to keep it really short. No, say, don't. don't. People want to know. Yeah. Say that uh, research studies that have looked into lip ties have found 80 to 90% of babies are born with lip ties. Now, yeah. if any 
80 to 90% of babies are born with it, doesn't that suggest that it's normal? Maybe it's there for a reason. Yeah. Maybe you need smaller lips to get around that feeding nipple. Well, or let's some. get to that. That's Ooh. a really good lead-on question. Ooh. So <laughs> I love this topic. <laughs> so um, Helen Cornell, a dentist, fabulous dentist here in Port Meadow, suggests that the lip tie is actually there to allow spacing for the adult teeth to come through. Okay. And if you have kids or you've seen other kids go from baby teeth to adult teeth, you can really see how the adult teeth are bigger in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So the lip tie plays a role in creating spacing. Okay. The other thing we've since learned in the last couple of years through ultrasound studies is that Contrary, so when I did my training 15 years ago, we used to talk about the special K shape with breastfeeding. A lot of mums would go, yeah, I remember that. It's a special K shape where both your top lip and your bottom lip had to flange or kind of turn out, mm-hmm. turn out to create the perfect attachment on okay. the breast. We now know from ultrasound <clears throat> studies that the top lip actually doesn't need to invert that far out. Okay. In fact, just a flat at midline rest position is all it needs and the bottom lip Think about a bottom tongue position. Mm. That's the most important thing, tongue suction. And the bottom lip needs to invert out quite nicely. Now, every time people get caught up with tongue ties and lip ties, I encourage families to take a step back and go, hang on a minute, let's just think about it. Let's think about babies as a range of normal. And there are some babies who are born with holes in their lips, so it's called a cleft lip. Mm-hmm. Those babies can breastfeed just fine. Now, if you have a hole in your top lip, your mum will be, you know, coached through yeah. the speech pathologists and the lactation consultants at John Hunter to just kind of cover it up yeah. and attach beautifully to a breast. So if a baby with a hole in its top lip can feed <laughs> and breastfeed successfully, not cleft palate, which yeah. is the hole in the roof of the mouth, mm-hmm. cleft lip, just the hole in the lip, and you know what? A baby with a lip tie will be just fine. It's not about how it looks it's about the whole cohesive way the baby's attaching and sucking creating that suction yeah. to breastfeed yeah you can tell how passionate you oh, are about I it know, and like it makes it makes me excited about it <laughs> you know it's causing such stress for parents i know on tuesday i met a mum who was so upset she was mm. told by an early childhood nurse that her baby had a tongue tie and a lip tie and the baby was incredibly colicky, was vomiting, was irritable, and she was worried that the tongue tie and lip tie were causing it. So she booked in as an urgent appointment into my clinic. I saw her Wednesday afternoon on a cancellation. If someone cancelled, they were sick, just booked straight in, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Yeah. The baby didn't have a tongue tie. There was, there was a normal lip tie, so just normal yeah. mucosa, I guess, on the lip. And the baby was a bit colicky and chugging down the feet, so maybe coordination and pacing could have been a bit slow. Maybe you should send him my way for some chamomile yeah, and <laughs> some you know, nice little herbs for poor bubs. So stressed by one yeah. comment someone had made. It's and so hard when you have those newborn bubbers. You've never done it before, and people just make these offhand comments. It is. Yeah. I had a friend say to me, "Oh, maybe Callie won't sleep on her own because she has a, a tongue tie." Wow. And I was like, she's, you know, I was lucky enough to never have an issue with feeding, mm-hmm. never. And she mm-hmm. latched the minute she was kind of born. We did the whole put her on my chest thing and she was like, where is my boob? Perfect. Where is it? And I had a bruise <laughs> from where she had got onto my nipple. <laughs> yeah. Like this, what do they call it? A, um, they had a name for it. It's, you know, because it's kind oh, of like a blister. Yeah. Because yeah. she had just gone, Ow! and, you know, mm-hmm. like, fine. Anyway, she was, she's been great, great feeder. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like just that offhand comment. And at the time I was 
lacking sleep and I was really feeling quite anxious about everything, thinking I'm doing everything wrong, which as new mums you do. And that comment just, I just thought, you know, I talked to Sam about it, my husband, and he's just like, babe, there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing wrong. And I'm like, I feel so bad. I should have had her at a speech pathologist. Guilt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are so quick to put guilt on ourselves. Yep. I didn't yep. do enough. Yep. Absolutely. When you were doing perfect. And I guess that's where you and I come in now, now that I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> and you, especially with this stuff, to comfort mums and tell them that everything is normal and um, is functional and, mm-hmm. and is going, I guess, going to be okay. Yeah. And maybe there is some other problem there. Or maybe it's just how your time. bum is responding. And, yeah. yeah, it yeah, takes yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And while social media and the internet is an amazing thing with being able to transfer pieces of information like yeah. this, it has the flip side, oh, of course, yeah. of having a thousand different options when sometimes babies just take a little bit of time to settle. Yeah. You know, not all babies, gosh, two, neither of them were perfect. Yeah. I'm waiting for the perfect one. No. I'm done. I'm done. I don't have any more babies. But, I, you know, we're so quick to want perfection, but it's it's a big deal. They've just come out in a whole world. Yeah. There's all these sensory things for this baby. I don't know what a perfect baby would be anyway because I wouldn't change Callie yeah. even if she was going to sleep better, yeah. you know, and things yeah. like that. Like, you know, yeah. she's, my, she's my little angel. She's so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, Your baby's Absolutely. perfect for you. Um, so what kind of ages are we talking about with mm. tongue ties? Yeah, so if you're having difficulties with feeding and you're worried about your tongue tie in the first six months, go and get some help. Yep. So lactation consultants, speech pathologists yep. who work in feeding can help you with that. When you get to six months, of course, babies start solids. And the most important thing I get parked on, I know, function over structure, <laughs> the tongue needs to move to the tongue tip, actually needs to move to the side. So if everyone eats after this podcast, I challenge you, when you take a bite of food, what you'll notice is your tongue tip picks up the food and moves it to the side <laughs> of your gums. Well, not your gums because you'd be a gums if you're a baby, but, you know, LT if you're an adult. And it actually the blade of the tongue actually holds the food on the side teeth to chew. Mm-hmm. So your tongue plays a role in chewing. I have one child who I have seen over 15 years who I go, you know what, I think that's more like a moderate tongue tie, moderate, not quite severe, but definitely moderate tongue tie. Baby couldn't breastfeed, um, now is eight years old. And I think that he is struggling with his textures because of his chewing. Okay. Now that's one in 15 years. And he has worked out with a tongue roll and a jaw shift. He can do it. Yeah, okay. The reason why I'm not booking this child in straight away for a surgical review is that I don't know what's on the other side. For all babies with tongue ties, if it's not done properly, you can risk scar tissue. Mm. If it's not done in a medically safe environment, there are babies, you know, who may have underlying conditions that come out. So there's two babies that I know of, one who had hemophilia and was bleeding. And, you know, they weren't in a place where they could be rushed into hospital and supported. Mm -hmm. And we don't know because the babies are so young. And I, and I said to the mother of this eight-year-old child, I'm not sure if we cut into it now, surgically, he'll have to go for a general, if he will, A, know how to move his tongue because he's only ever moved it in that way yeah. for so long, and B, if there'll be more scar tissue, he'll, cre- he'll be more, because, you know, they're older and it hurts, he'll be more aware of it mm. and then it'll cause more pain for him. Now, one, I really want to stress that I see 
day in, day out, children with feeding difficulties, day in, day out, children with tongue ties, and all of them can move their tongue tip. It's only a tongue tip. They can move it. So mild tongue ties generally don't have feeding difficulties. So as a parent, if you're wondering whether to clip or not, know that the first six months is really important with feeding. Get some support if you need to. Get your thoughts. Get everyone else's thoughts to help you make a decision. But after that, some of the other things that parents worry about is, will my child be able to play a wind instrument? Because you need to actually put your tongue out and move it in a specific fashion for a wind instrument. I have a friend with a mild tongue tie and she is playing beautifully with wind <laughs> instruments. So yeah. I wouldn't be cutting just for that. Yeah. You know, will you be a messy eater? Mm, potentially, if you can't stick your tongue out to lick ice cream off your top lip, potentially. But my seven-year-old is also a messy eater because he doesn't feel sensory-wise. We laugh. We always know what he has for lunch because he's wearing a veggie (laughs) across his face. He doesn't have a tongue tie. He just doesn't care. Yeah. He can feel it. I don't know if he could feel it. We always point out, going, Vegemite for lunch? He's like, yeah. (laughs) We're amazing. So feeding messy eaters, French kissing. Mm -hmm. If you're you're an adult and you can't do any of these things and you have a tongue tie, you want to make the difference and change that, then that is your call as an adult. But as a, you know, as parents with children, you know, it's a fairly big surgical procedure. So I just caution parents, don't Mm. just jump and think, oh, that will mean my child will have difficulty. They'll be fixed. Yeah, and in 100% means with a tongue tie, my child will have speech problems. Actually, the evidence is really low that children with tongue ties will have speech problems. That will mean my child will have feeding difficulties. Again, the evidence is really low and only for severe tongue ties. Actually, my child will have poor oral hygiene. And again, before, so oral hygiene is your dental care. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before this podcast about um, I mentor um, a therapist around the country and two out of five, so funny, the numbers have a tongue tie. And the, one of the girls I was speaking to yesterday in Adelaide, we were going through an oral muscle assessment and a tongue tie assessment. And I said, all right, well, you know, when you're doing this with a child, make sure you stick your tongue out and up. And she couldn't stick it up. So she sticks her tongue out and then she can't lift her tongue tip towards her nose. She is doing so well in her career. Her speech is perfect. She has never had any feeding problems. And I asked her, because when she sticks her tongue out, it actually deviates to the right a bit. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you have a high risk of cavities on your left side? She's like, no, my teeth are just fine. I'm like, there you go. So, I mean, I know it's only single case studies here, but my point is we're so quick to think, oh, my child will have all these other problems, when actually evidence, clinical evidence, research evidence suggests that not really. Not really, unless it's severe. And you mentioned that's quite a controversial uh, thing in your industry at the moment or maybe Mm, ongoing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And you seem quite hesitant to go straight in for surgical um, measures Mm. as a speech pathologist and dealing with this day in, day out. And like Mm. you said, you've been doing it for 15 years, so Mm. there's a fair uh, chunk of experience there. Um. In the mainstream medical, I guess, model, are we quick to clip? It's a really good question. I think Australia, America, Newcastle are polarised with Mm -hmm. this. So we have some amazing paediatric surgeons who will look, function over structure and only clip if needed. Mm -hmm. Helen Cornwall, some of the amazing paediatric dentists in Newcastle, again, function over structure, will look and think before clipping. But then there are other professionals who think, oh, well, we'll just clip it because that's what the parent wants. And I'm like, yep, but are we educating parents enough mm-hmm. to know that yep. they might not need it? So I think we're polarised, we're controversial about it. 
And I don't know if you, um, if this is a comfortable question because I didn't run it by you, <laughs> but I guess not only is it, um, you know, if clipping is the, you know, the thing to do when the parents want it, but are we educating them on if it is not the best thing to do? Like, you know, you mentioned some mm. of those kind of side effects. Are we talking them through? Are we, are we, you know, like educating them on the possible side effects or the negative effects of clipping or are we just kind of going clipping or fix it? I think, and that's where professionals argue over it. I think there are some professionals that are quick to clip and then they suggest that in order for it to not reattach, they should do these stretches. Mm -hmm. And stretches, you think about it in every other aspects of world of surgery. So stretches is where, so newborn babies, 11-day-old babies, mothers are asked to put their finger on the tongue tie that's just been clipped and massage it probably up to five times a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because you don't have enough to worry about either. Absolutely. You can imagine <laughs> these babies, all of the babies. Oh, I don't know if any case where a baby hasn't found that comfortable. Yeah, because it hurts. Yeah. And, you know, years ago we were quick <sighs> to jump and circumcise every baby. And yeah. now we're doing this whole thing with tongue ties. And I'm like, you know what, we don't we don't need to touch a surgical site. If it is clipped surgically, you know, properly cut, the tongue tie is cut properly, it will not reattach. You do not, the top pediatric surgeons around the world, not just in Newcastle, around the world will say, don't touch the site. Okay. And I, until if, you know, for other professionals who are encouraging that, until I see strong evidence with good methodology that supports the case, I'm still going to be advocating don't touch it, get it done properly by someone who knows what they're doing, a qualified surgeon who then knows in his clinical experience the babies that his, he clips, they don't reattach. If it's done properly, it won't reattach. Don't touch the site. Don't well, cause your baby pain. I can't imagine. I can't think of any other operation that you would get and then immediately massage oh, the area or touch absolutely. it. You know, I've had a laparoscopy <laughs> done. And, gee, there's no way I could touch yeah. that site after the surgery. Yeah. Keyhole surgery, still couldn't touch mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. We are very quick to have surgery and operate, and it's very common you know, in this day and age, but I think a lot of people, a lot of the general public just um, don't appreciate the trauma that your body goes through in a surgery because it is so common. Even it going is. under, yeah. you know, anesthetic has a huge impact on your gut bacteria and on your uh, well-being long-term, your mental health as well. Like, so it's, it's just this really common thing, but it's not, it's not um, a day-to-day r- easy recovery for the body. I don't think it is, and I know that there are other professionals that will say it is for tongue tie. Mm. But at the end of the day, I would like mothers not to be mother guilted anymore. Yes. I want them to rely (laughs) on their gut instinct. If their baby is in pain, don't do it. If you're not sure about it, go and talk to a doctor about Mm. it. Don't feel guilty that you're not doing what you were advised, and therefore if your baby doesn't feed well, that's your fault because you didn't do those tongue massages and stretches. Something that I've been talking to a lot of my clients in the clinic about recently is maybe that empowerment over their conception, their pregnancy, and then their birth as well. And I know that birth doesn't go to plan. I know that from experience and I know that from my clients. Mm -hmm. But having options in place to, you know, um, I guess having knowledgeable options in place, like if this happens, this is what I want to happen. These are my options. And if this happens, this is what I want to happen. So in terms of, I guess, that um, following 
that advice if you if you have some knowledge around it yes we're not we're not all experts Mm -hmm. um, on it but getting feeling comfortable enough to get a second or third opinion and then forming what is right your opinion on what is right for you and your baby Mm -hmm. at the time and you and your family at the time and you know getting a partner or mums and dads um, you know my parents I mean grandparents on board to really help you see clear because I know it's quite foggy in the first few months of babyville Mm, it's exhausting yes exhausted and you know coming into that mother's guilt too that you mentioned I'm you're saying that they're born with it what if you don't notice that your baby has a moderate tongue tie or even a severe tongue tie for the first few months Mm -hmm. what happens then well if your baby has a moderate or severe tongue tie and you were able to feed the baby and the baby grew on the growth charts just fine yeah chances are functionally (laughs) that tongue tie is not impacting your life Always at the end of the day, like the the mother with the eight-year-old, she said to me, I have been to ENTs, I have been to pediatricians, I have always worried about it. Right, your gut instinct, you know when you look at your baby and your husband or your partner, whoever it is that's helping you parent that child is looking at that baby going, you know what, it doesn't fit right for me. It doesn't sit right, let's do something. But get a couple of opinions Mm. till you feel like you are, I always say to families, my goal here is not to see you in therapy for the rest of your child's life. My goal here is to empower you to be able to make the long-term changes. Yeah, Yeah. Mm. that's awesome. Mm. That really fits with our model as well, you know, here in the clinic. Yeah. So good. Um, Thanks. I, I love it. Was there anything else you wanted to add? I just think like I could talk to you all day about oh, I think it. I could. I'm like oh, that. That's it's right for me. So if people want to contact you about your www.letseatpathology, let's eat speech. Let's eat speech. and we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Um, can they email you? Yeah. I have listeners all over Australia, some in America. Um, you know, sometimes they just flick me through an email and be like hey, this question, really simple. Yeah. Um, but otherwise they can book in without a referral. Oh, absolutely, without yep. a referral. Um, they can send me an email. Just forgive me if it doesn't take me 24 hours to return It took a little email. while to get this podcast <gasps> together because Val, <laughs> Val takes a little while to reply to emails. However, that's okay. I'm really sorry. Because she's in the clinic <laughs> dealing with this stuff. You know, we're both – yeah, the clinic both takes precedence. Yeah. And, and we're both parents. Yeah. And when I come home, I do try, and I know you yes. do too. With I've got my calm inbox. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I try very hard to be present for the kids. Um, but, yes, absolutely, there is a waiting list for an appointment. Um, cool. But As there we, always is with all great therapists. Oh, bless you. <laughs> but we do, like I said, with that mother, we do try and prioritise any babies. Yeah. We try and see them as soon as we can. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for, for coming in, me. having a coffee, so coming on the cast. Um, I think that there'll be lots and lots of listeners who really appreciate your time and your opinion on this stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Cool. All right. Bye for now. Um, and we'll put all the stuff of Val in the show notes. See you next time. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Boston Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.